Keep the change part three. Keep the change part three. Keep the change part three. Have you guys enjoyed this, this sermon series? Has it been okay? Awesome. Basically, the, the vision of our church is, is this, to help all people experience life change through Christ. We say this, if, if Jesus doesn't change us, what's the point of Christianity? What's the point of Jesus? I mean, for real. Like, if, like I have better stuff that really, you know, I could be doing on Sundays rather than coming to church and doing this here. But I've seen Jesus change my life personally. And really as a team here at Lifehouse, we have a team of people. Their lives have been radically changed by, by Jesus. And so we think this, we want our, our, our vision to help all people experience life change through Christ because that is what ultimately matters. The first week we, we, we said this, what is the starting point to see change happen? And we said this, it is Jesus. Right? Gee, mind-boggling, right? Jesus, right? Check it out, though. Our deepest need is change, and Jesus' greatest purpose is bringing change. So our deepest need met Jesus' greatest purpose, and Jesus is the one that ultimately changes us. The second week, we were like, we need a plan for, for change, though. So basically, I challenged you with three different questions whenever you're, formu whenever you're formulating a plan to see change happen. And there were those, and there were these three questions. First off, will you make space? We live busy lives. And Jesus, if Jesus is going to change you, Jesus is going to have to have some space in your life. Secondly, what is your goal? If your goal is any other reason than becoming like Jesus, the point of your change is purposeless because it's all about you then. The point of changing is to become like Jesus. So your goal has got to be Jesus, the third question was, will you give it time? And we said, this change process that God takes us through, you got to give it some time. You can't just, just be like, you know, you know, ab belt. You know, I talked about the ab belt. You put the ab belt on, it shocks your abs into convulsing. So you can get ripped abs while, while, while you're drinking Coke and, and eating barbecue chips, right? It's, 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 it's like, no, it, it takes time. For the change to see what God does, it takes time time. So basically, we did this starting point, the plan. Today, we're going to talk about the process of change, the process of change. Turn, turn to somebody and say, the process. Turn to someone else that, that was your second choice <laughs> and, and tell them it's a process. It's a process. It's a process. The older I get, the more I see how much of life is a process. Um, I got, so about four years back, I was really getting what they would call dad bod, which I've got three kids, a six-year-old, a three-year-old, and a one-year-old, and I was getting what, what people call these days a dad bod where I was pretty much trying to keep the kids living, making sure they weren't dying, working a couple jobs, trying to pay the bills. You're tired, so what do you end up doing? You know what? I deserve Taco Bell. I deserve this double bean burrito. I deserve this Cinnabon. I have lived, it's been a hard day. And you just eat, and you drink sugary sodas, and, and you just get in this habit of like, all of this like self-medicated food that you're like, you know, eating. And, and so you kind of get to this point where you're like, 
oh my God, what happened? You know, it's like, I got dad bod, <laughs> you know? And uh, so probably about four years back, I said, this has got to stop. You might say, John, what has really changed on you? <laughs> You're like, really, four, four years, that's, that's what you got? Well, anyway, stop judging. First off, the Bible tells you not to judge, okay? So you can take your judgments and take them somewhere, all right? Judge lest thou be judged. I'm just, I don't care. It's every pothead's favorite Bible verse. Only God can judge me. No, I'm just, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> I'm just kidding. Uh, anyway, what, what was I saying? Okay, so, you know, wanted to kind of like see this, this whole like dad bod leave, right? And so you see these, 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 these workout plants, and it's got these people, you know, on this like treadmill, and they're ripped, and they're tan, you know? And, and you're just like, dude, if I only do that for 20 minutes a day, I could get like that, you know, and it's, and it's like you just see all these crazy workout schemes, T25, P90X, who's got 90 minutes a day, first off, for the love of God, no, I'm just kidding, it's, you know, no, but, but, you know, but, but, you know, but it's like you can see all of these things, and they've always got these really ripped, tan, amazing, good-looking people doing these ads, because they want to make you think, if you just do this for a couple weeks, a couple months, maybe even six months, you could look like them, but I quickly realized after getting a partner, a, a workout partner, kind of trying to eat right, kind of trying to do the right thing, getting on this some sort of workout plan, I quickly realized that those pictures and those tanned people and all of that, it wasn't going to happen in a couple months. It was not going to be, I changed my diet a little bit. I, I, you know, I get a protein shake, get some creatine start drinking water more, start getting 180 grams of protein daily, doing all this stuff, and then five or six months in, I'm, it's going to somehow make me tan. That's what I just love. Before and after pictures, it's amazing how somehow working out gets them tanner. Have, have you noticed that? It's like you work out and they smile and they're tanner. But the, you know, but the before picture, they're, they're just like pasty white, you know, and it's just like, what, 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 no, what, no. Now, but, but it's like, I quickly realized this is going to be a process. And this is not going to be quick. This is going to take some time. But the process, becoming like Christ, this change that we want to see happen is going to happen through a process. You know, um, last week, I, I told you, I've been serving Jesus for 17 years, like really full-fledged, honestly, with all my heart, my being. I'm 34, actually 18 years now. Good Lord, I'm getting old. All right, I'm 34, started serving him, 16, and I've been full-fledged. And I kind of told you something that kind of honestly made me feel a little vulnerable. Some of you might re re remember this, but, but I said, I, I still cuss. Some of y'all are like, What? If you weren't here last week, check out the podcast, okay? But I said, I, I still, no, not that I want to cuss, not, not that I'm like proud of it, but do you know what? God is still working on me. I, but, but do you know what though? I tell you what, it has gone from me cussing a whole lot to now I don't do it nearly as much and a whole lot of it's kind of like staying here now rather than coming out. Prayerfully, maybe in another 18 years, I won't even think it. You know, here's the thing. Over this process, God has, God has been working on me, and it has been a process. Now, okay, now, 
okay, some people came up to me last week and, and, and they started like fake cussing around me. And I was like, that was not any sort of license to cuss, okay? So don't be coming up here, well, Pastor John cusses, so I'm going to cuss. No, it's not a license, okay? I was just being vulnerable with you, okay? Check it out, though. We're all in process. If you're following Jesus, you started a process, and you are not only starting the process, but you are in process. You are under construction. And I want to share with you a few thoughts today about this process that God takes us through to ultimately make us become like him. First off, the process is instant and continual. The process is, con- is, the process is instant and continual. I, okay, I'm going to explain something, and what I need you to do is, is really follow me here, all right? The process that God takes us to is first off instant, meaning this. God does something, God does a great work for us, and there's also a great work that God does in us. But what God does for us has to come before what God does in us. Let me explain this. When Jesus Christ died on the cross in our place and for our sins, the perfect one dying for all of the imperfect ones. When he did that, this is the bottom line is this, you've sinned, I've sinned, the scripture tells us this, we've all sinned and fall short of God's glory, right? We've all sinned, mind, thought, deed, action, we have all sinned, and because of that, we are separated from God because God is holy. He is perfect, and we are not, so, so basically, there's this huge chasm, but what Jesus did, he came down, lived a perfect sinless life, the, the life that we could not live, and died a horrific death in our place and for our sin, and took the penalty that you and I should have had. But Jesus took it for us, and, and when he died, he took our place and paid the price for the sins that we have committed in our past, present, and future. And what that did for us, Jesus then earned what we could not earn and then gives it to us freely, just like I told you a couple weeks back, by grace through faith. By grace through faith, God changes us and saves us. And what he does is he gives us his righteousness. Basically saying this, there is something that God did for us, dying that we cannot do. We could not, or we cannot earn God's grace or favor or forgiveness. It's something that is freely given to us by grace. And that is what God did for us. And whenever you, anybody, accepts that by grace through faith, what happens is, is you are what the Bible says, you're saved. Confess with your mouth, believe in, in, believe in your heart, and you will be saved. So what essentially happens is God gives you righteousness. It's this, you know, big Christian word, justification. Everyone say justification. Justification, it is, it is basically a big Christian word meaning, meaning this. God declares you righteous because of what he did, not because of anything you've done, but because of what God did. He forever declares you righteous in God's sight. So basically, 
whenever God sees you, he doesn't see your bad works. He sees Jesus' good work. You, that is the gospel. You've got to get that. That is basically what God does for us. But check it out. God does something for us, but then God does something in us. What God does for us is instant. You, you get a brand new heart, new desires, new uh, 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 brand new heart, your spirit does, it comes alive. And that's an instant work. But then there is some other work that God does in us, which I don't know if you've seen, if you've been saved however many years, but you see that, I don't know about you, when I got saved, I didn't just become perfect. I didn't just always want to do the right thing. I just didn't always do the right thing. We've got habits and we've got hurts and we've got hangups and we've got things that we struggle with. All of us here, we've got different struggles, whatever your struggle is, alcohol, pornography, self-image. We all have different things that, that, that just, ugh, we struggle with. We struggle with. But thankfully, there, there is a process that God takes us through called this, sanctification. It's basically uh, a, 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 another Christian word, big Christian word. Sanctification pretty much means this. You are in the process of becoming like Jesus. And it is God working in us. Scripture tells us in 1 Thessalonians 4 that, that it is God's desire for us to be sanctified. Sanctified pretty much mean, mean, means, means, means this in the original language. It means set apart, to consecrate, or to purify. This is the process that God works in us that takes a little while. That, do you know what? Like, I, I don't cuss as much as I, I used to, and I'm thankful for that, but I'm in process of God working in me. There's a process that God does for you on the cross. There's nothing you can do for that. But then there is the process of God working in you that you have a part to play as God works in you. Justification frees you from, from the penalty of sin. Sanctification frees you from the power of sin. Justification frees you from the penalty of sin, eternal, dam, dam, eternal damnation. But it is, it is sanctification that frees you from the power of sin that, that honestly holds so many of us here. The process is instant, yet it is continual. Secondly, though, the process is extremely practical. Get this. The process is extremely practical. The, the process has got to come into your day-to-day, -day, right? If you want to see change happen, it's not just this big, deep spiritual thing. It's got to work into your practical every day. Some of you are, like, always anxious and stressed and, and, and just worrying about everything under the sun. And you can say, God, I'm so anxious. I don't know why. I know I just, you know, medicine. I need medicine. I need anxiety pills. I need this and that and the other thing. What are you putting in your mind? Are you watching Fox News, CNN on Facebook 24-7 and seeing all this crazy stuff? North Korea is going to blow us up. You got crazy president, the crazy former presidents, this, that, and the other thing going on. It's like we live in a world that wants you to get anxious and get fearful. That is like their whole goal is to get you anxious and fearful. Jesus said, don't be anxious. 
But so many of us live these anxious, fearful lives. And it's, it's really, I, I mean, this, um, this is like A, B, C, D, E, F, D. It's so simple. Like garbage in, garbage out. You reap what you sow. If, if, if you're sowing junk, you're going to reap junk. What kind of seeds you plant, you're going to reap the kind of seeds that you plant. Like, we can get all sorts of, of it's a spiritual, yeah, but part of it is, but at the same time, a lot of why we don't change is so practical. Do you know this? Scripture tells us that, that the devil schemes against us. Scripture tells us, don't be ignorant of the devil's schemes. I said this a couple years back. I, I was like, do you know what? I'm going to start scheming against the devil. He schemes me. I'm going to scheme him. Let me give you an, an example. I was in youth ministry for 10, for 10 years, and I had teenagers come up to me many, many times and be like, look, I want you to live a sexually pure life. Help me. And so I'm like, okay. Um, you know, and it was talking them, talking them through it, you know. And then I would say this. I would say, let me give you an example. Say you have a girlfriend, there, there, there's nothing wrong dating. If, if you want to date, that's fine, okay? But if your girlfriend calls you 9 p.m. and she says, hey, the parents aren't home. I'm by myself. Do you want to come over and hang out? You can spiritualize all you want. The enemy's tempting me. Satan's after me. You know, here, here's the thing. What you decide, what your answer to that question will decide what the outcome will be. You win or lose the battle before the battle's even fought. If you go there, oh, you might as well go ahead. <laughs> unless you're strong. Unless you're strong. Unless you're strong, but a lot of us ain't. I tell them straight up, I know you ain't strong. Don't do it. Don't do it. But it's the practical nature. If you say yes to that question, you're going to go over there, you're watching TV, soon the TV's going to be watching you. This is what it is. It's like you've got a scheme. Like you are setting yourself up for failure if you do that. But it's like, yeah, but no, like, no the, the devil didn't scheme, or the devil schemed you. You should have schemed the devil there. And dude, this can relate with so many things. Drinking, anxiety, worry, doubt, fear. Like the enemy is scheming against you. But you have the power by the Holy Spirit to scheme against him. Get extremely practical. What, what is going into you? What is going out of you? The process has got to be extremely practical. Like what are you, like what is like your biggest struggle in your relationship with Jesus Christ? I'm not sure what it is. But whatever's holding you back, say how can I practically make this better? And, and plus this is the way change, change works. Typically, it's three steps forward and two steps back. We always want Christian change to be like we're going from glory to glory, getting better and better, always ascending. If you've lived any Christian life, you know typically it's four steps forward, two steps back. Two steps forward, three steps back. Three steps forward, one step back. Change is, you know, we kind of always want it to be like this. Many times change is like this. 
It's like you've got to accept that sometimes you're going to fail. Don't condemn yourself. Get back up. It's not how, how hard you fall, but how fast you get back up. The enemy wants you to fail and then keep you there and put you down and bring condemnation and bring guilt and bring shame. But Jesus says this, there is no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. Just repent and get it over with. Repent, make it right. If you cuss someone out, go to say, hey, I'm still in process. I'm sorry. I shouldn't have done that. Forgive me. Jesus, I'm sorry. And move on. We got to have short memories. Some of y'all do. Like me. I put, I put something down, go over here, I, I lose everything. I've said I'm not buying anything expensive. Glasses, watches, any sort of, any sort of, of accessories, because I forget everything. And thankfully, sometimes having a really bad memory helps me. Because I'm so, I'm like, why was I so mad? Why was I so angry? I don't even remember. You know, and some of you need to actually pray for this, spiritual amnesia. Like some of y'all need to pray, God, let me rest, but really though what you're doing is you're resting in the gospel of Jesus. You're resting in it. You're saying, I'm not gonna let condemnation, guilt, shame take me down. I'm gonna get up, ask for forgiveness. Jesus, forgive me. The Bible says this, if you confess your sins, he's faithful and just to forgive you. Rest in the forgiveness of Jesus today. But the process is practical. It's gotta work into your day today. 1 Thessalonians 4 tells us this. It's so practical. And this is what I love. Paul is so practical. He says, you need to learn to control your own body. I love when Paul says that. He says, learn, learn, learn you. Learn how you tick. What is your trigger points? Maybe it's alcohol. Maybe you know you can't be with these certain people because you're with these certain people. You get stupid. And you start drinking. And he's like, oh, I'm just going to have one more. 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 And next thing you know, one more turn, turns into, you know what, one more prison trip. Right? It's like you have to say, you have to learn how your body ticks, find your trigger points, and then scheme against the enemy to overcome them. Learn to control your own body. I love that. The process is instant, continual. It's practical, but thirdly, know this. Your process has a helper. Your process has a helper. John chapter 14, Jesus is talking to his followers, and he says this, I'm not going to leave you as orphans. I'm going to come to you. I'm going to send the Holy Spirit to dwell in you, to help you, to convict you, to guide you, to comfort you. He sent the Holy Spirit to dwell inside. When you start following Jesus, the Spirit of God is, is put in you. And now you have literally God inside of you to help you become more like Jesus. The Holy Spirit's main job is to make you like Jesus. That is the Holy Spirit's job. Now, we can sometimes, I grew up in a deeply Pentecostal church where it was like we spiritualized everything. Like everything. Like, I don't know if God's speaking to me. I, I'm, I'm, you know, I don't know if I should talk to this person about Jesus. I don't know if I heard God's voice right. I don't want to disobey. And, and let me just say something. I hope you know that this book, this Bible, well, just kind of wave it at you. This Bible 
Scripture says that all Scripture is God-breathed and inspired by the Holy Spirit. So human writers who were jacked up just like we were, just like we are, were inspired by the Holy Spirit to write this book. So whenever you open this book, the Holy Spirit's speaking to you because the Holy Spirit wrote this book. In, in other words, God wrote this book. You cannot say, I didn't hear God speaking to me when your Bible shut. You can't hear him. And say, oh, I don't know if God's telling me to talk to this person. Do you know that the Holy Spirit said in the Bible that, that God wants all people to be saved? You ain't got to pray about whether you should tell someone about Jesus. It shouldn't be, Lord, speak, speak to me. He has. I don't, I don't know, Jesus. I don't know if, you know, this person's crazy. I think I should just lie on this job. It's just one little white lie. The Holy Spirit's all, already spoke. You don't got to be like, oh, the Holy Spirit speaks. Oh, the Holy Spirit is. The Holy Spirit has spoken. And you will never hear the comforting voice, the guiding voice of, of the Holy Spirit if you don't hear and heed the convicting voice of the Holy Spirit. Some of you, you've kind of always felt this kind of feeling that it's like you kind of feel someone's telling you not to do something, not to go somewhere. You shouldn't do this. You shouldn't do that. If you are a Christian, do you know what that is? That's the Holy Spirit speaking to you. That, that is the Holy Spirit guiding you. And what you do when, when, whenever you actually heed that voice, you start to learn the Holy Spirit's voice. And whenever you actually learn it, see, you know, it's, it's just like communicating. It's a two-way street. You've got to learn the voice. Whenever I got married, Chris and I, we didn't know what the heck each other were saying. We, like, heard words, but we didn't, you know, it's taken us a while to actually get on this same plane where I know what she's actually saying. It's okay. Yeah, I know what that means. I'm dead. You know, it's like we're learning. I'm not hungry. She's starving. I need to go to Chipotle right now and get her chips and guac and a chicken bowl. You know, it's like, got you. But you're not alone in this process. You need the Holy, you, you, you need the Holy Spirit. You need to relearn uh, and reawaken the relationship with the, Holy, with the Holy Spirit. And that begins by opening up God's word and saying, God, speak to me. I, I need to hear you. And the Holy Spirit will speak to you. Some of you here, he's even speaking to you right now. I'm, I'm preaching something, and you're hearing something completely different that God is doing in you right now. And that, is what is, and that is what's awesome. The Holy Spirit knows what you need. He knows you, and he wants to speak to you. The fourth thing that I've kind of seen in this process, and, and we're going to close, close here. In this process, you need people. You need people. You need people. What I see so many times, and I mean, personally, whenever I started this whole health journey, which you might, you, you know, you might kind of like look at me and be like, well, I don't know what journey he's been on. Well, it has been a four-year journey of trying to get healthy, and, and it's had its ups and downs. And it's had its, its goods and bads, and it's had its, its triumphs, and, and it's, you know, and it's plane crashes. Um, 
But the, the biggest thing that really got me into wanting to even be in this journey was because I found a workout partner. Somebody, you know, it was kind of one day I was, I was talking to him and I was like, hey man, I kind of want to get involved in the gym. He was like, hey man, you, you, know, you, know what, you, you know what, you should come with me. Come to the gym, five o'clock. I was like, awesome, man. I get off, off uh, of work at 4.30, p, at 4.30 p.m. I was gonna drive right, you know, right over and be there at five. And he was like, no, 5 a.m. I said, bro, you on crack, bro. It's like, I don't know what you're smoking. I don't know what you're on. Like, I, I, don't, I don't know what you're thinking. Like, Jesus is not even awake, alert, answering prayers at 5 a.m. I have no idea what you're talking about, but he was like, no, 5, 5 a.m. I was like, okay. And so I set my alarm the first day and got up with the excitement, you know, and I went, and that was about a couple, uh, couple weeks, a couple months, and and it was, it was really, really crazy because, like, the more I did it, the more that I actually liked it. Like, I always had this, this, this idea working out that I was going to be even more tired. Well, what it did is, it is, dude, it actually gave me more energy. And it, it gave me more energy. But it was also crazy, the, the thing that whenever I got up at 4.30 a.m., and then I was like, I want to kill myself. Like I was thinking, like I'm tired. There's nothing in the soul of my fiber of my being that wants to get up right now and get to this gym, nothing. But do you know what I thought? My boy, Kerry Jones is there waiting for me. And I know if I don't show up, he gonna let me hear about it. He'll say, how you doing sleeping beauty? Did you get your beauty rest? <laughs> I knew there was gonna be something. It was going to be something, something said. But it was the power of relationship that brought life tra tra transformation. There's power in relationships. Jesus never set the church up for you to do this Christian thing by yourself. And what I see so many Christians doing is trying to follow Jesus, but don't know anybody. Not in relationship with anybody. Like they can't if something of crisis happened in their lives, they would not have a Christian brother or sister to call. And in this process of you seeing the change that you want to become more like Jesus, do you know how Jesus changed the world? A small group. Check it out. Jesus said, I'm going to change the world. I'm going to get 12. And one of them was a crook. But he said, I'm going to get 12 people, pour my life in, into them. Set the example. Let them follow me. Let them see how I live, eat, breathe. They're going to, and I mean, this was a conglomeration of crazy. Simon the, the, the zealot, he, would, he hated the government. His whole reason for basically living was to screw the Roman government. Then you have Matthew, the tax collector, who worked for the government. Imagine someone that really likes Trump, someone that likes Obama on the same team. That's no political affiliation. I'm, I'm just trying to get, you know, just trying to, to basically make it practical for you, okay? But you got people that are on the opposite ends of this spectrum. They come together and they follow Jesus. And through these 12 men, they create disciples, disciples that create disciples, that create disciples. And through this, we see what we have, like we're in this room because of what started in a small group. Billions of followers. But I think Jesus was setting an example for us, saying, look, 
upon these dudes, I'm going to build my church. I'm gonna, you know, he told Peter, I'm going to build my church on you. But he got a small group of people and did life with them. And it was not just, you know, oh, you know, because we can, I think we can still look at Jesus as being this like, you know, robot, blessed are thee who follow thee. You know, it's like this like robot guy that, all, that, that said cool, pithy statements and tried, you know. I think though these guys followed him, lived with him, saw him, lived life with him. And so many Christians just come to church and sit in a seat and go home and don't know anybody. And don't have anybody that actually knows what they're going through, doesn't actually know them. And when you miss relationship, you miss this whole Jesus thing, man. Yeah, you can serve Jesus. You can go to heaven without being in, in relationship. But it's going to be harder, and it's not going to be as fun. So it's going to be big for us as, 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 as a church to help you, to encourage you, to implore you. If you're going to see this change process happen, to get involved in, to get involved with a group of people, number one, that can serve you and you can serve them. They can know you and you can know them. And in the context of, of relationships, experience life change. Because it's in the context of relationships that we truly experience life change. I know what you're saying. Some of you have been in church a long time. You've, you've tried this. You've tried being in relationship with people, and you've realized that people are terrible, even church people. Some of y'all are like, some of the worst people I've ever met have been church folk. So you might say things like, what's the point? I've tried it. Why do it? It's messy. People are broken. They're hurt. They're needy. They're weird. They have all these crazy little idiosyncrasies. All, 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 you know, all these crazy behaviors. Scripture tells us this, Hebrews 10. It says, let us not give up meeting together, but to encourage one, one another daily and to spur each other on towards love and good deeds. When we are together, when you have a small group, you can spur each other on towards love and good deeds. Spur. Have you ever seen a spur? What is a spur used for? It's kind of like a horse thing, right, where you kind of jab them with it, and it's telling them to go, go, go on. I've got your back. Let's do this. Galatians 6.1 says this, bear each other's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. How can you bear someone else's burden if you don't even know it? How can someone bear your burden if they don't even know it? Relationships. Some of you might say it's easier to not know other people and their problems. It's easier. The more you know, the more you got to do. The more you know how jacked up somebody is, uh, I just don't want, I'm, I'm just, I don't, people, get away from me. It would have been easy for Jesus to say that too. He could have stayed in heaven. It was a lot easier there. But Jesus came from heaven, came down into our mess, into our junk to help us in our place of deepest need. And Jesus is encouraging us to do the same. Secondly, you might say you've been hurt in the past. I get 
It hurts people, hurt people, hurt people, hurt people. Everyone gets hurt. But it's crazy that the thing that can bless you can also burn you. The same thing that can bring healing can also hurt you. And here's the thing. Whenever we get, we keep ourselves from being vulnerable. But the same thing that brings change is you being vulnerable. Isn't that so unique? So some of you here today, my prayer for you is that God would give you the grace to trust again. God would give you the grace to trust people again that have burned you, hurt you. And look, we're, like, we're, we're not going to be a perfect church. We're going to have, I mean, I'm messed up. We're all messed up. Welcome to the messed up church. We all got issues. We all got stuff. We're all messy. We're all weird. But what makes a family a family is we can love each other in spite of our weirdness. We can disagree with each other and still love each other. Like you can see scripture a totally different way than I do, but I'm going to love you and you're welcome here. We don't have to just, oh, you don't disagree. I don't, you know, I don't like you. We can disagree and good Lord. We're all made in God's image. We can love each other. And that's what we want this church to be, is a big family of families that are in relationship with each other, that can be messed up with each other, but see life change happen. You might say, I don't have time for all these people, relationships. I ain't got time. Last week we talked, will you make space for, for Jesus? It's got to work itself out practically. You might say, I'm strong enough. I don't, need a, I don't need a small group. I don't need a life group. I'm good. I'm strong. Okay, lead one then. You think you're awesome and strong. Think you're so great and good and awesome. Lead one then. Here's the truth, guys. We're going to be starting life groups here. At LifeHouse, starting next week. So the week of October 8th. And our desire at this church is to see all people experience life change through Christ. And we think life change happens in the context of relationships. So we want to encourage you, implore you to get in a small group, get in a life group. Whenever you walked in, you should have got one of these like cards, cards here that the, kind of has groups that we have coming up. All these different, you know, groups. I think we've got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven of them here. Range, ranging basketball groups, Bible study groups, single, single adults groups. So if you're looking for a wife, that's the group for you. Looking for a husband, that is your group. If you play basketball, king, kingdom man, men's, men's group, real talk, real, what is it? Real talk, real women, real life. Ladies, you can come together and eat chocolate and talk about life. Lifetime movies, that sounds awesome, doesn't it? Pouring into your community. It's basically a big group saying, look, we're going to go out into the community and, and you know, we're going to serve. We have all sorts of different groups here and we want to encourage you to help with this process of seeing change happen. Yes, it is instant and continual. I always forget my points. Help my memory. Instant and continual. The process is practical. The process has a helper, but also the process, you need people. 
So we want to encourage you, jump in this process. Fill out this card. Check this box. Check whatever box that, that you want to to, to or check whatever small group that you want to join. Also, you can go online and sign up there. But we want you to get plugged in and experience life change in the context of relationships. Can we all stand up? We're going to close out. Every about, every eye closed. process is instant yet continual. Maybe today you've never started the process. The process has never started for you. You have never accepted what Jesus Christ did for you in your place and for your sin to bring you to God. Right now, with every head bowed, every eye closed, if you would say, John, I want to start this this process. I want to start a relationship with Jesus Christ. All I'm going to do, I'm going to count to three. Whenever you, you do, if you would, take your right hand, put it up, and put it right back down. I just want to know who you are so I can pray for you. Check it out, though. Jesus wants to give you a new life today. He wants to start this process of helping you becoming like him and be full of grace and love and peace and forgiveness, hope and faith.